Behind the Play podcast, episode 8, and we have got another stellar track for you guys today. We're going to be covering, hey, I bet your flipper doesn't do this in the news. We've got some really cool experimental models. You guys have to check that out. In history, we delve into one of my absolute favorites, the Fairbane Sykes Commando Dagger, where it's been and what it's influenced. Of course, we have tech tips. This time, we're going to do a little bit of social media etiquette for you knife aficionados. And our favorite part, the Q&As. Stay tuned. everybody to behind the blade podcast episode eight my name is jim with matt martin and we have a lot going on today jim Let's, what didn't mean to cut you off how are you doing buddy i'm good man <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a good episode and we're really excited to be here it's been a rough week but man we're we're cranking along like we normally are. Blade's coming guys blade show 2017 it is on its way at <laughs> It's way faster than I want it to be here. Uh, I think we have 19 working days before we all pile into the Ford and, and head south. That's it's crazy that you even say that. It's less than 20 working days, and I'm I'm, I'm a little I'm panicking myself. I don't even have a table. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm going there to like buy material and stuff. Right, it's right, like the easiest trip for me. And rep the podcast, man. Of course, yeah, don't of forget course. about that. Rep the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're freaking out a little bit. I'm sure that we are. I bet you a lot of guys are going to be burning the midnight oil, working on their blade knives hopefully listening to this podcast while they do it get a little inspiration uh i am grappling personally with uh completing projects that i'm starting because i have the attention span of a puppy so. <laughs> squirrel shoe oh gosh it's terrible <laughs> what are you carrying tonight jim i am carrying actually there's a little bit of a story to the knife that i'm carrying it doesn't really have a name but it is a very sinuous extremely ergonomic upswept double-edged QC1 ground blade. And the little bit of a story behind it is, is that we had a friend. His name was Nasty. <laughs> no, literally. These are good friends to have. <laughs> and, he, and he genuinely was a good guy. He's an ex-contractor. He retired. Um, loved knives, discovered our brand, attended several grind-ins, became a, became a great family friend, genuinely. Um, he made this knife at a 2006... What was it? No, this is the 2006 Bark River, Ni Bark River Knife Collectors Association grinders. So, that's the, so that is the summer grinding that he made this knife at. It's a hidden tang knife. It's got black and red carbon fiber with a with a black linen bolster on it. And I remember making this knife, making this knife with him to his specifications, and and uh, and it is an extremely comfortable, very fast little using knife that you could use as as a fighting knife if you needed to. Oh, check this, that out! This thing is all fighter, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It, this is one. Uh, I'm sure you guys will remind us in case we forget, but we should probably throw a picture of this up so you guys can see it because this is one sinister looking little Persian. It's got like a gnarly. Uh, oh, it's sharpened on the. Oh back. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Sharpened it's on got the back, it's yeah. got you know what like he said the QC grind or like a bayonet grind on a Persian knife. <laughs> I mean that's a hot unit. He stood over my shoulder for like two hours. <laughs> did you grind this? Making that I did. Nice. I did. Oh, I, it, I, it was out. it was just after I had just learned how to grind, like you like like it. full like fully, and uh, and I think that I did a pretty good job on it. It's 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 a nice strong. It's fully convex all the whole way. I mean, even the even the false grind's convex. But now that I look at it, I see little problems with it. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Whenever you go back and inspect your work, yeah. But but um, the reason why I'm carrying this knife and why it's why it's near and dear to me is that he 
he loved this knife and he used it for a long time. He he gave this knife to me when my son was born in 2011. And uh, and he said he said this knife is not for you, Jim. And he said and he and he said some more expletives. You're right. Directly, directly <laughs> at me. You can't touch this knife. It's not yours. <laughs> this is for your son when he becomes of age old enough to use this knife. How cool. And and it was and it's awesome. I mean, he put a lot of thought into this and and I'm holding on to it right now. And it's it, it just brings back a lot of memories of him. He had recently died a couple of years ago of cancer. That's terrible. And it wasn't and uh it was not like a, like an easy way out for him either. But oh, but geez. but the thing is he lives on. He's he he had his quirks, but he was he was a good dude with a huge heart. And and this is kind of how I choose to remember him is is uh, carrying the knife that I'm not supposed to have. Yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. By rebelling. <laughs> and I know that he's shaking his head at me from somewhere right now, but you know what? He understands. That's a sweet knife, man. That's a cool story. It goes along Thanks. with it. It is a sinister. I mean, the guy had a design knife for sure. Cause oh, yeah. That's, that's got it. Soup to nuts. It's I would. Knife. I absolutely would make a production run of these. Oh, yeah. Right now. For sure. Totally. I mean, and, sure. and then, yeah. So what do you carry, Matt? Uh, what you got, brother? You know, funny thing. Uh, totally coincidentally, I am carrying... Oh my goodness! This is my Grail knife. We're both carrying up sweeps today. Yeah, both. <laughs> I, I have a thing for the Persian style blades. I just think they look hot. Um, I mean, there's plenty of people have their problem with trailing points or whatever, and I, I honestly I don't care because this knife I'm carrying. Let me get to it. This is a Shemp Persian as made by Spiderco, uh-huh. and this has got stainless steel bolsters. Uh, looks like black linen micarta. I'm pretty sure that's micarta. It could possibly be G10, Let me but see. It, it looks a lot like micarta. Um, stain, that's micarta. Stainless liners. It's a spine lock, and it's an mm-hmm. older. That's back when Spider. I saw the box for it. The Spiderco oh. boxes were uh, silver and blue. Ooh, you can hear that. Feel that snap. And that- it. Is, I mean, isn't that just a hot unit? Yeah, though, this is cool. I'd carry one of these. And they're, you can find them well, just like anything else. When they're hot, they're hot, and when they're not, they're not. So sometimes eBay will have a couple of them on, you know, for sale for 200 bucks. These these can fetch as much as like three or four, depending on condition. And then when you're looking for one, you hop on eBay, ghost town, tumbleweeds. <laughs> not one uh. can be found. And they did come in two sizes. There was a 90 millimeter version and a 75 millimeter version. And I've handled cool. both of them. Um, I like them both. I actually would like to get a uh, 75 millimeter version because I have the 90 right. now. And it's just reduced ever so slightly. And it right. makes a very handsome. I mean, this is the kind of knife where uh, when people look back, they're like, and he opened that package with his pocket knife. You know what I mean? It'd just be <laughs> super cool. Uh, everything yeah. okay? We got a pop up on the screen or um, something? We're, oh, st- oh, we're still yeah. recording. So yeah, yeah, yeah no, we're, we're still recording. Um, yeah, Windows is telling me that there are new features coming that we're never going to use. Oh, far out. So, yeah, so if you got a Windows phone, be very happy that your Windows 10 is going to be Ooh. great. But, yeah, um, so no, but we're still recording behind it. It just decided to be a jerk. Good, yeah. So, so yeah, the Shemp Persian by Spyderco. This is, I want to say, a 90s model. And then I am also <laughs> carrying my favorite little backup, uh, another Spyderco, of Ooh. all things. This is the oh, Matriarch man. Two. <laughs> that's that's a wicked that's a wicked hook on the end of there. Dion calls bill? it Mister Nasty. That thing <laughs> it is a it's a it's an Endura Four handle. It so looks like a Muppet. Oh, it does. It thinks just brutal looking. <laughs> this thing is brutal. Oh man, looks it, like a Cayman, like those little alligator things, oh, or Caymans or whatever. And, yeah. and it's waved. Waved. Yep. <laughs> 
oh, this is cool. It's got it's got an Endura handle, right? That's yep. an Endura it's handle. It's just yeah. an Endura that they you know stamped, but yeah, it's running on the Endura chassis. It's a 3.5 inch blade, which makes it legal to carry. But because of that reverse S curve, you actually get a lot more linear cutting surface. Sure. And for you guys uh, that are listening right now. Um, that's the whole concept behind recurves, by the way. So basically anytime you have a recurve knife, not only are the lines absolutely to die for, and I, in my opinion, it enhances the look of a knife exponentially, but let's say you have a three inch blade and it's recurved. Now you are no longer taking the shortest distance between two points hmm. and you're taking a more circuitous route. So right. what you end up with is more cutting length then the length of the blade right. would provide naturally if you were to just do like a straight belly drop. You know? Right. Um, so that's the whole point on this. And in this case in particular, uh, Spyderco did some development on this. I want to say these were four originally developed for a three-letter agency. Uh, I think that the civilian was developed for a three-letter agency yeah. at some point. Yeah. And then the matriarch, uh, they made them very inexpensive. <sighs> I... Maybe if Mike Janich listens to this, he can Roger up uh, in an email or something like that because he's the one that spun me up on the, all this. But I think they gave these to Haitians. Uh, and They made them inexpensive so that they give them to Haitian women because it was either Haitian or Jamaican. I don't know. It was a Caribbean, Caribbean mm. uh, nation. Whichever, yeah, region. But they would give them to the women because it was a major rape problem in the area. Oh. And what they wanted is a defensive knife that took very little experience mm-hmm. that could be very quickly deployed and very effective. This so, is, so this is the Copus mentality all it over is. again. It's yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. awesome. You're totally right. And yeah. that's where the name Matriarch came from. So gotcha. when they issued them and they, they brought them out there, I don't know who footed the bill. I don't know if it was Spyderco or uh, some philanthropist. I have no idea. But when they uh, issued them, that's where the name came from was the Matriarch. So that's uh, you know, kind of a watchful mom. So, uh, yeah, so those, those are, and of course I got my Camillus demo knife, but, uh, that's what I'm carrying tonight. Fun stuff. That's awesome. I, um, the only thing I'm carrying is I'm carrying Nasty's knife nice. and, uh, and my mini Aurora, but I, you guys, you guys probably have heard enough about that lately. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, let, Hey, Let's you know what? It. Where do you get your news, Matt? I get my news. When not listening to my own podcast, I get all my knife-related news from knifenews.com. These guys, I mean, look, this is awesome. We're all part of this industry. We're all, you know, uh, at least half of us are severely infatuated with it, and we love to know every angle of what's going on. And so anybody who steps forward and says, we are going to be a resource for everything that's going on in the knife community, they get my respect. Yeah. And it's that simple. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. I'm, this is great. They're bringing everybody up together. And we're very honored to be uh, affiliated with them at this point. And we love telling the news that they offer up. Also. So what do we got? Um. Well, okay. So I got an, I got an interesting email from, uh, from Alex over at Knife News. And he goes, hey, I want you to check out these couple of articles. They've gotten a lot of attention um, over the last few days. So they're apparently... Uh, you know what, Matt? Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. In uh, multi-tool, okay. What are the uh, tools that you would uh, normally expect? Okay, bottle opener. Okay. Flathead screwdriver. Mm-hmm. I like a Phillips screwdriver. Okay. Uh, and an all. You wouldn't believe how much I use that punch. Well, this one that I'm going to talk about doesn't have any of those. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was kind of hoping that you'd like catch like something in the middle there, but no, no, no. <laughs> at all. The this this is a this has a saw. It has a flipper liner lock, and the 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 coup de grace is that it has a slingshot in it. All right. <laughs> it has two articulating arms that come out the side, and it's a slingshot. I actually saw this on Knife News's uh, Facebook page. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll give it to him on ingenuity and engineering. Uh, I will also say that being a child of the '80s, I grew up watching Inspector Gadget, and more than one time did he call on a jetpack and get a telephone. <laughs> you know, and so I, I think there might be oh, no. a, a little bit of that. I think it's I think it's super cool, and I mean, knives are so collectible that it, it really doesn't matter um, unless you are somehow if look if you'd, you'd have to be a cross a hybrid of dennis the menace and james bond and so and that's <laughs> it sounds kind of fun it appeals to our inner child i like the idea of the slingshot i know slingshots are you say it was titanium arms on the slingshot it's tie arms yeah, yeah. which is kind of cool yeah. and i think the engineering is pretty sweet i i i don't know i'm i would like to play with it i, I think i think we probably could have some fun in the basement, shooting at the dragon board. I, I think so, and I think at the end of the day, not everybody is Rambo, and not not <laughs> yeah. everybody is James Bond. Yep. So not everybody has to have these dedicated, uh, practical tools. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this could obviously be practical if you put this in your camping bag. You have a saw that you know is a saw that has a yep. what probably two inch stroke on it. Yep. You know there's what I mean? A, there's a saw. There's a there's like a rope cutter. Um, like a gut hook. It's got a gut oh, hook. okay. It's got a gut hook combination blade. It's got a flipper, a uh, VG10 flipper. Oh, I like VG10. And uh, and 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 yeah, it's got the slingshot. So it's Japanese it. made. It is Japanese made by Reich Knives, and it's called the SEIO 17A. So it's a little hunting companion or a day pack companion, yeah. and you could have a little bit of peace of mind. And then on your lunch break while you're eating your granola bar, you could be you know shooting rocks at pine cones and having right. a good time. Right. right, right, absolutely. I mean that that's the, that's probably the more practical application of this. But but you know, like any multi multi tool, it's probably not you know like amazing like a slingshot but it's something that you could probably use in a survival situation if you were absolutely caught in with this because the best tool that you have is the one that you have on you yeah that's right so um but there's a slingshot expert and i and i'm gonna slaughter this name because I, it's chinese mr Jiang, x-i-o-n-g Jiang. Okay. sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure so yeah. um he's not a household name for knife guys but reich's tan kai tells us that he's a master of he's a master slingshot designer Slingshot specialist. One of his original designs was illegally copied and produced by the thousands, which, which um, the article does go on to say that that's why we don't know who he is. Oh, oh, okay, guys, a little bit of uh, little yeah. jab there at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you know, don't knock it off. Um, there's also also in the same vein, uh, there's a tops multi tool. No, who was the, was out. the slingshot designer affiliate part of the design mm-hmm. team on this? I believe I believe or was he, he was. just in there because he finagled a line in the story. No, no, he he was part of it. The, okay, yeah, Reich re- Reich reached out to him. And oh, say, gotcha. And say we have this idea. You're the best in the world at it. How can we do it? So, so the slingshot was developed by a slingshot, slingshot master. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So you know, there, there's there's it's not just like some dudes. Some credence behind it. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. So, some dudes. So there's a little bit of credibility behind that. So in the same vein, Tops is also coming out with a multi tool that is very unique unto itself. Um, and it's, um, well, you know, I can't find it, but whatever. Yeah. So, but, uh, but, um, look out for new multi-tools that have, that have uh, interesting and unique and unique features that, uh, typically can't come with, uh, or, or doesn't come with normal multi-tools that you think and know about. Right. So. Let me, I'm going to, I'm going to do some searching. Yeah. Okay. Tops multi-tool. 
I do know that, uh, who was it? Was it SOG? They just did all those, that pen series. What was that called? SOG pen series? They were all different multi-tools that were small. They looked like mark markers. Interesting. Interesting. I did not hear about this. I think they the, they premiered it shot if I'm not mistaken. Well, well, let's let's pull up some info and find out. We got. Uh, While you're looking for that, what I was able to. <laughs> oh, we're awesome hosts. At this yeah, show, I know. Aren't we? Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> if only you had so. a. Forgive us, guys, too, because like I said, this is Blade. The last two weeks before Blade, and so everyone's run a little bit ragged, and uh, we put together a fun show tonight, but we may not have spent as much time on our homework as we usually do. You have to figure <laughs> we normally put in a couple hours of research before we And we, we do. We didn't this. even get a chance to really talk about to talk about um, anything like Die Hard in the Wool, right? You know, you know anything, anything this week. But uh, but looks like Sog has a ton of multi tools. Yes, the it was baton, a whole series. The Baton, the series. Baton series. Yeah, the these Q3. are these are kind of cool because uh, it is pretty cool. Anybody that doesn't want to have the stuff on their belt, I know sometimes even I get a little bit irritated with my Leatherman Wave or uh, Charge on my belt, you know. But it's handy to have. This is like. It goes in the little organizers on your backpack. It can go in a shirt pocket. It can go, you could stack two or three different variations inside of the inside coat pocket or something. And I thought they were kind of cool. It's just, it again, cool. it's a low profile, kind of a sleek design, and they look pretty versatile. Yeah. Uh, I haven't held one or handled one, so I, I can't uh, attest to the fit, finish, well, and function, but I mean, they looked pretty sharp. You well, know? Um, this is available 2017, but this is the Baton Q3. It looks like it's got a bottle opener, can opener, it's got a file, it's got a knife. And uh, pliers, of course. It's got a, it's got a scraper. It's got a Phillips head. It looks like it's got like a. I'm gonna come around real quick. Yeah, here, right here. I'll pass it over. And it looks like it's got a something to punch holes. That's not an all. That just looks like a pin. Oh, oh no, no, it, it's not a touchscreen. Okay. Charging <laughs> the screen. Not, it's not a touchscreen. <laughs> um. So those are the tools that it has. The little pliers that it has. Can you show it assembled. Yes, that was one of the earlier pictures here. So we're going through. It actually goes together in one yes. linear function. So with, with with a clip. So you can actually put it in your back pocket. It rides the side of your back pocket or the side of your front pocket. And it's a multi-tool. You pull it out and pliers. That's boom, clever. Instantly. I thought that was clever. And, yeah. and that is pretty cool. And and the, here's the thing. The Baton Q3 is $94. Oh, nice. Like, retail. Not bad. Did you yeah. have an MSRP on the slingshot uh, saw flipper? Um, I did not see one. Um, Oh, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. To... Because that's something that always happens whenever we do this is that we we research the crap out of it and then one of us will say will say hey did you get yeah. this information <laughs> just and it's it's almost like we're trying to trip each other up but no yeah, yeah. I wasn't sabotaging <laughs> no but this is uh this is, looks um it doesn't look like there's a price on this oh okay it, maybe it's still in concept or... it's probably just being produced and I would expect to see um I would expect to see an MSRP announced. In the next few, I months. would expect an MSRP to have a four as the first digit. To be completely uh, honest, there's yeah. a lot of titanium in there. The VG10 is, in my opinion, I think it's a premium blade steel, but mm -hmm. it's not the most expensive. Let's say so. Well, it, uh, it, it, it strikes a good balance if you if, you, if you're doing yeah. a production run. I mean, VG10 is a great production. Knife I, I mean, I love it. It's mm -hmm. it's hard for us to get. There are some equivalents that we can get, but I mean, I'd be all about it. Spyderco's been using it for year, obviously years. Oh I mean, yeah, I'm a fan of Spyderco, but. Yeah, um, I think I have a VG10 Spider Code. No, oh, no, I did. I gave it away for Christmas. The police. The, no, it, um, it was an Endura. Oh, it was a stainless Endura. stainless steel Endura, and I got to get another one of those. Those things are Yeah, great. because Christmas is coming, and I would like one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what I'm getting you. I was going to get you a big thing of coffee or some beer or something. But okay. No, no, the beer's okay, I guess. Okay. All right. Speaking of coffee. Next, next topic. So... I know that you're a big fan of ballet songs. You know that I'm a big fan of ballet songs. Oh, you're yeah. much better with a ballet song than I am. But have you ever heard of the Ballymax? No. The Ballymax. Wait. 
Yes. Is, is this what I think it is? <laughs> this is exactly what you think it is, Matt. It's a Bally Song axe. I... Did it come, does it come with Band-Aids? Does it come with a tourniquet? That would be the other thing. <laughs> I, I think it probably should come with at least a tourniquet because um, this thing is definitely meant for sticking instead of chopping like an axe. I mean, check, 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 take a look at this. Look at this. Check that thing out. is insane. Like right, that... and there's a video. You can, you guys, you guys can check this out too. Both of these stories between the Reich Multi Tool and the Ballymax are on KnifeNews.com right now. So go ahead and pause this podcast. Go to Knife News. Check this out. Look at what we're talking. And look about. at what we're talking about because I can't quite describe this. It's it's an axe with. It's, it's like it's, the spike on a tomahawk. Yeah. Inside of. Uh, Bolly handles split, you know, articulating handles, but they're kind of offset from each other, so they're they're not symmetrical like you would think in a conventional Filipino bolly. Right, right. They're they're offset in just the right amount of way that uh, that they that they collapse together to form a decent sized handle. And and it's actually this is like a super expensive version of it too. It's got like titanium liners and premium steel, and it's you know what I want to see what. I want to see in five years the YouTube videos of people using these because people, their manual <laughs> dexterity is amazing, right? Yeah. And so, uh-huh. and, and let's be honest, like this isn't a, a, I don't, I don't view this as a practical item. This is not, uh, this isn't a, a, a Randall Model 1, right? You know what yeah. I mean? So what, what this is, this is cool. This is innovative. This is engineering feat. And this is something that people are going to pick up like a sport like they do with conventional Bali songs <laughs> and just do some amazing stuff. And they're going to improve their manual dexterity and they're going to do um, videos, viral videos of them doing these crazy oh, yeah. stunts. And there's going to be a lot of people rush to the ER while they're learning how to get that good at it. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to a couple years if these catch on on the broader market or at least develop a subculture following, a cult-like following. Sure, like, like, a, like a subgroup or a I, subculture. I bet you they're going to of... do some cool stuff with that. Cause, I mean, yeah. That's pretty wild. What are the, what's the overall length on that, Jeff? The overall length of this guy. Let's see if it says. Let's see if it says. Yeah, the Bally Hawks, the the Bally Max is oh, 9 inch overall length. It's actually smaller than I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, 19 ounces. So, it's not it's not really terrible. The the, the blade head it's is 9 inches and 19 ounces? Yep. Is the blade tungsten? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually made of the heart of a dwarf star. Right, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. No, no, it's made from CPM 154. It just, it just must be like a big old thick chunk piece of it. I mean, so there's, there's pound, no specific. Man. Yeah, there, there's no specific um, specs on this there. But on knifenews.com in this article, uh, knifenews.com slash ballymax dash ballysong dash axe, um, there is a video of him flipping it. Oh, yeah. I John bet Kim. Awesome. It's 38 seconds long. And we uh, probably won't do the whole 38. No, probably won't do the whole 38 seconds. Oh, but I, it looks huge. It says nine inches overall, but maybe close. But it's probably four inches wide. You know what? Close, There's no know? blade sticking out. So that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Well, that thing is massive, though. I mean, it looks like a crash axe. I, mean, I like, thought it was small. Yeah, there, there's there's no sound on this. But watching this, you can hear it clunk and th- and, and, yeah. and, and and slam together. I mean, not in like a clumsy way, but obviously a very well engineered way. But but this thing's it's, it's massive. It's a big it's a big axe. And it's getting a ton of attention. It's it's great right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's doing really well. It's insane. Yeah, we were talking about this. Uh, I think last episode we were talking about kind of how the yummy phase lends to innovation and new concepts and ideas, and either they become classics or uh, the guy's onto the next big thing. And so right. we'll see where this goes. But it's definitely interesting, and it's I've never seen anything like it no, before. No, I've never seen anything like this. This is uh, designed by um, John Kim. Oh no, it was designed by Paul Ellers. For Ballymax's double-edged head, Ballymax is actually um, um, a ten years old. It was designed. It was designed in two thousand seven by John Kim, who's a collector and designer. Um, uh, Knife News goes on to say, 
and uh, and it was desi- and when it, and it was inspired by the Topps Mini Axe, which was designed by Paul Ehlers. Oh, okay. So yeah, gotcha. so get, get my get my facts straight. Yep. So um, it how much do you think it cost them to produce this, Matt? Uh, well, if it was made out of bar stock, <laughs> thinking like a custom maker, I would assume that it's quite a bit. But they probably water jet these out. Yep. Uh, there is some titanium involved, which that can add. You said it was a 154 CR- 154 C- one- CPM 154. CPM 154 blade. I'm pretty familiar with that. I would say that they are in the ballpark of $120 per unit manufacturing cost, depending on their batch size. I'm not quite sure how to respond to that, because it cost them $2,000 to produce. One? <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, awkward silence. Um, but... Okay, so I, maybe they <laughs> hired NASA engineers, and they weren't pro bono, and uh, you know uh, that was. Uh... I, I'm assuming total cost over the course of several prototypes. Oh, that's I, 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 now I can understand yeah, that. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I that, thought that you, makes much more sense. I, I thought this was like production costs. You know nope. what I mean? They're like, all right, we're you know we're vested in each one of these. You know, a couple hundred bucks. No, nope, no, I think it's just one. Is, so there's so... no production. <clears throat> no, it's just a collaboration just a between between a couple of gra- between a couple of guys who always wanted to see something like this come to come to fruition, and here it is. That's still insane. So, so you, these yeah. won't be available on the market, it, uh, or maybe they will, maybe they won't. You know, um, I don't. It, no, he no. Actually, the final line in the article is: I don't think this design can be made at a price point where it would sell and still be a quality product. There you go. So that's what's one of the makers, one okay. of the two makers. So, pretty interesting, though. But it is pretty cool, and congratulations to these guys to at least seeing this dream come true. And whoever has it now, whoever owns it, has the only, the only, the one. only one. Yeah. Right, right. So, so it's probably worth you know five times what they what they I cost would to assume, produce yeah, it. Yeah. You know, because because guys are going to go crazy for this. I mean, you know, you you probably know better than I do how crazy the Valley guys go. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? And I'm not like big in the Valley circuit or anything. I just mm-hmm. enjoy them because, like, again, I was a child of the '80s. You know, and I worked at a karate <laughs> store, and we all. Had had cheap jaguars and stuff like that behind the counter it's like it's like your whole childhood was an 80s movie yeah kind of like that yeah, yeah pretty much so i have a mohawk like, let's be honest here i'm gonna wake up i'm yeah. gonna go to the karate store yeah exactly that, that's it yeah i actually used to go there when yeah. i was a kid so often that uh eventually the owner this was karate mart out of phoenix they're still around they've been around for like they got to be pushing 35 plus years now <laughs> And uh, he was like, when are you going to come work here finally? And I was like, do I get a discount? And he was like, yes. And I said, tomorrow. See you at 8.30. All right. Well, next up, ladies and gentlemen, we have the history segment, and we'll check you guys in a little bit. And we're back. We have the famed history segment ahead of us. Uh, as we mentioned before, we're we're kind of balls to the wall right now in the shop. So I had to pick out something that I was pretty familiar with that I could just print out some cursory notes. Thank you, Wikipedia. We have to actually donate to them this year because they've really helped us out a lot. And when they when they're like, can you please just give us ten dollars? I'd be like, yes, I yes, can give you ten dollars. We, yeah. we can probably give a little bit more. Yeah, probably. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks to Wikipedia. This one, even though it's a little bit from the hip, I have a bunch of stuff for you guys so this we're is, this is this is a subject that's actually near and dear to your knife maker's little heart isn't it oh my god so i mean this so just to bring you guys up to speed we can see all the visual aids and notes but we are talking about the fairbane sykes commando dagger it's by the, fi- the original fighting knife man this it's is... super sleek <sighs> it really is 
And I, as you guys know, I'm a major. We're gonna throw a picture up of one, um, actually one that I made, but it's it's pretty true to form. I made it right off the blueprint. But um, these are the quintessential commando daggers, and they have often been replicated. They have been the inspiration for so many different models over the decades. Uh, you know, the original came out in 1941, Jim. I don't know if oh, you knew that. I did not know that. And uh, it was designed by uh, William Fairbain and Eric Sykes. Uh, I'll spare you their middle names, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's printed right here. I'm, I don't even know his middle name. Um, so Fairbain and Sykes, that you'll see the FS emblazoned on the blade of the Wilkinson sword. Hmm. Uh, it'll say FS fighting knife, the right. FS fighting knife. And so Wilkinson sword was the original manufacturer, although they did make it out. And so this goes back to old Sheffield, right? Sure. So you have, yeah. uh, even today, they're still made, I want to say, uh, William Rogers and Company. Uh, some are just stamped Sheffield. Some are a little bit of dubious origin. It's hard to tell because they have been knocked off so frequently. Um, there are a lot of really good resources if you guys are looking into authenticating a Fairbane Sykes Commando Dagger, especially from uh, the 40s, from the World War II era. Mm. Uh, but they are still in production today. They're beautiful, beautiful knives. There's too. just something about them, and they're so iconic. I mean, it's a very European-looking knife. You know, it, it, it's a dagger. It's double-edged, and it comes down to a fine needle point. The first variant, they've come in three patterns uh, primarily. Yep. Anything beyond the three are customizations that other designers and makers added to it, and they kind of embellished it was, it was on. It just their version. Yeah, made it their own, right? right? So the three primary patterns are going to be the pattern one, right. which is going to have an S-guard. So it's a very subtle S-guard, but it's a, a double quillion hilt that is bent in the shape of an elongated S. On those Gorgeous. pattern ones, you'll have what's called a tablet ricasso. So for those of you guys who are into knives and maybe not know everything about knife anatomy, the ricasso is the portion forward of the hilt before the blade bevel begins. Correct. And that's where you're going to see, you'll hear us always griping about plunge lines. Um, that's where you're going to see the plunge line, which is the transition from the ricasso to the cutting edge, to right. the blade, right? Yeah. the blade bevel. Mm -hmm. Word. So pattern one, uh, I want to say they were a brass hilt. Uh, but they were plated because they, they had like a silver tone to them. Yeah, yeah. All the pictures that I'm seeing right now, it's all silver. Okay, yeah. So, and so But I, they were turned out of brass and then they were plated. In later versions, they were actually cast oh. and then turned to final shape. And they were able to cast a cavity in to lighten the handle somewhat and whatnot. So the pattern two, oh, I, it's also worth mentioning. This is probably one of the most important features on the pattern one and pattern two is it had a checkered or knurled grip. And that grip is kind of in the shape of a Coke bottle, if you look at it. It's a really thin, very sleek Coke bottle where it's fatter towards the guard. It is. It is. Yeah. It is the other way. It's, uh, you know, it's like holding a rapier or something, and it gets very skinny towards the back, which is a very European design. Right. Most Most knife companies these mm -hmm. days actually make them a little wider where right. the pinky would well, grab. Well, we do. Yeah. We do. Yeah, no, whenever we do Coke bottle shapes at Bark River, it's always it's always the other way around. It's yeah. always skinnier in the front, fatter in the back, you know, to fit, to fit smaller finger. And I... Man, there's just when you pick one of these up, if you're ever at a show, if you don't have a, a Fairbane Sykes or, um, you know, you haven't handled one before, try to find one of the World War Two versions because picking them up is unlike anything else. I mean, it is just an instrument. Nice. I mean, when you hold it, it is really something. So the pattern one tablet Ricasso S guard, um, they had the checkered grip. The pattern two, which is my favorite, was virtually no ricasso there is a small peak where it comes up from the guard and that's where the the blades uh the blade bevels meet the guard there are right. no plunge lines whatsoever there's it just goes a, all the way back to the guard all the way to the guard yeah. and there's a small triangular peak on it 
Um, they straightened out the S guard and they ran about an eighth inch. What is that? 3.5 millimeter, eighth inch mm-hmm. uh, thick yep. steel guard. And then it came down to a brass finish. I think they were black and brass originally. Black but the, any ones you see, yeah. yeah, any ones you see will be rubbed mm-hmm. uh, clean. They, they may have like a brownish color for the patina over the years Love or it. they'll be polished brass. But uh, so they had the checkered brass guard. And then the third pattern, which is the most popular, the most prolific is going to be the ringed guard. So it looks like... The ringed guard, interesting. Sta- it's grooved. It's uh, it's not fluted, it's grooved, circumferentially grooved. So okay. they look like stacks of rings, if you can picture that. And that sure. was to enhance the grip. And those were actually made out of... Ooh, I want to say those were zinc. A lot of them were. Ooh. And so that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which everybody knows that zinc does degrade over time. And we'll get to that. Also, I'm going to kind of breeze through this because there's a number of knives that I want to talk about. So we know that um, Eric, uh, William Fairbairn and Eric Sykes are the ones who developed this. And they developed it based on a knife, the Shanghai Fighting Knife, which was a double-edged dagger of a similar uh, handle, although it was a little bit shorter and stubbier. Um, Jim Bensinger. He's a buddy of mine. He makes an awesome reproduction of the Shanghai Dagger. And he's the only maker I know that is like, I'm going to pick the weird one. Like, he doesn't (laughs) do the romantic Fairbairn Sykes Uh. Commando Dagger. He's like, I'm going to do this wood-handled one. (laughs) And he he makes the best, most authentic. Uh, So check him out. I, I don't know the name of his company, but I... What is it? I'll look it up right uh, now. His name is Jim Bensinger. And, uh, diminutive cat. Really cool, but he makes just an awesome Shanghai dagger. So I recommend you guys check him out. Um, he does a lot of cool stuff, kind of in that vein. But he does. Pretty... Is it J W Bensinger? Yes, at VermontBladesmith.com. There you go, VermontBladesmith.com. So hi Jim, I uh, hope you get some traffic your way, and I hope you get a bunch of uh, orders for the uh, Shanghai fighting knife. So that was a knife that was developed in Shanghai while Fairbane and Sykes were cops over there and they saw its effectiveness in street brawls and everything else. And then they kind of modified it and improved on it, made it more technologically savvy with the brass and the lathing and all that. The original Shanghai dagger right. was kind of a cobbled together, a handmade deal, right? Sure. Yeah. Like, almost like a theater made knife. Right. You know? Right. Um, so, so now we have the FS fighting knife. We have that dagger. Well, that went on to inspire the United States Marine Raider Stiletto. Interesting. I did not hear about this. What is that? So the Marine Raider Stiletto is a hot knife. These are beautiful knives. They're very, very collectible. The one drawback, and they're uh, I, I almost they're almost exactly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, dimensionally the same as the FS Dagger. I feel like their blades were a little bit shorter. And the okay. one key difference... It looks the same. They're yeah. very reminiscent, but the one key difference is they had a solid cast hilt and handle right so all one piece yeah so oh, oh no you can see it yeah yep. i can see it yeah it's all definitely. one piece and those were cast out of zinc and finding one that hasn't tried to return to mother earth and completely degraded is <laughs> i mean they're like hen's teeth they're very collectible they're very rare gotcha. um, they have kind of a unique so if you're digging through uh your granddad's footlocker up in the attic and you pull out this dagger and you go wow this looks like a Fairbane sykes and you notice that the guard and handle uh, the guard, you know, the guard and the the grip are all one piece, and the guard will have this kind of odd step to it. Yeah, I see and, that, and that's where it transitions to the blade. If you have one of those, and it the dates jive, then you probably have an original. I think these came out in 1942, the United States Marines uh, Raider stilettos. Um, so in 1942, just a year after the development of the Fairbairn Sakes fighting knife, and these were of course issued to uh, select 
marine units mm-hmm. that that really needed a fighting knife more than a utility knife because these these aren't meant for sparring guys this is not uh and we're just going to go on a little bit of a sinister dagger tirade for a minute <laughs> this, Evil daggers this go isn't ahead. uh this isn't meant for um fencing and sparring and and doing this west side story you know oh, right, right, hand-to-hand right. combat this <clears throat> is really i mean it's close quarters silent interdiction and so i mean they were meant for having an extra tool in your arsenal that when need be, you could use it to very quietly dispatch your enemy. And Interesting. It, it, it's pretty intense. And there's a great book, um, one of my favorite books, Churchill's Secret Warriors. And I do not know who the author is, um, but it is a firsthand account of the original special boat service. So that hmm. predated the SAS and the LRDG, the Long Range Desert Group. I'm messing that up, so I apologize. <laughs> I want to say it's the LRDG. Yeah, it's it's an it, I'm pretty sure it's LRDG, but these are uh, the beginnings of the SAS and sure. uh, the, these guys. Wow, these guys would go in and sabotage airfields. I mean, they would take out machine gun nests That's and everything. Awesome. And there uh. were more than one account. Um, Anders Lassen, who he has a bronze statue erected in his honor, just an amazing fighter, an amazing soldier. More than one account in there of him talking about his dagger and mm-hmm. employing his dagger in use. Right. So, and that was a Marine Raider. Uh, no, he was no. not. No, I'm sorry. This is going back to the Fairbairn Sykes. Oh, okay. Churchill. This is, this is Churchill's okay. Secret Warriors. It gotcha. was going back to him. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> sure. going back to the Marine Raiders, they were issued to the Raiders specifically. Right. You know, and uh, it, pretty cool. Big Red One. You know what I mean? These guys were out there carrying these. Very cool knife. Uh, Les George probably, even though he doesn't, he, he wasn't. He's a former Marine, Les George was, mm. uh, and he really grabbed a hold of that Raider mentality and that stiletto dagger, and he makes one of the coolest versions, and I think he calls it the V-14. Okay. I'm pretty sure he came out with it in 2014. I, I think it's what you were talking about earlier. Yep, the and they did some collaborations with uh, Spartan Blades, if Ooh. I'm not mistaken. They Ooh, did those you know, really some cool. production versions. Yeah, 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 Spartan Blades, Spartan George, V-14 combat. They combat are there. sweet. It's very reminiscent of Fairbairn Sykes. Yeah, it is. With, with a much bigger Ricasso and, of course, a bigger handle. full tang. It looks like it's full tang yep. and scales and yep. screws, and, but but still very cool. Yep. Very and sleek. So he revisited that design, and I thought that was cool, kind of paying mm-hmm. tribute to uh, his military lineage in the Marine Corps. I thought that was awesome. And the other one, and a lot of you guys will recognize this. Some people do not know it by name, though, is the V-42. That's Victor TAC-42. And that was made for the first special service force, which some people know it as the Devil's Brigade. But this was a Canadian and American commando unit. And and arguably, I want to say this is the first special forces, quote unquote, even before John F. Kennedy, you know, employed like the Green Brothers and stuff like that. So. But this is really cool. Again, based on the Fairbairn Sykes Commando Dagger, and I, I know you guys just heard me mention the Green Berets, but if you take a look at the Army Special Forces crest, uh, the Oppresso Lieber, I thought I had a picture of the patch on here, but I guess I don't. If you, uh, I'm going to try to do this by memory, guys. It should have a scroll running across the top mm-hmm. and bottom that says the Oppresso Lieber, and in the center is a dagger, and behind that dagger are two cross-fletched arrows. Now, that dagger in the middle, that's the V-42, and it's scaled down a little bit squat, Mm-hmm. Um, but that is the V42. It's got that kind of, um, I don't know what you call it, like a bow tie shaped yeah, guard. Got, but yeah, no, but here it is. Here it is. I got a picture for you. Perfect. There you yep. go. So yeah, the scroll work actually runs under the dagger, the crossed arrows, and then you have the dagger. It's cool. I mean, that's history. Yeah. So that's the first special forces unit, uh, the first special service force. And that dagger was so iconic that it is still being used by Army Special Forces today in their insignia. It's pretty in their sweet. Badge. 
So it's pretty cool. The one difference on here, though, is that they are stacked leather as opposed to a metal grip, either cast or lathe, like the mm-hmm. Fairbane Sykes and the uh, Marine Raider Stiletto. And they had a very unique sheath. Now, this is worth noting because they all had pretty unique sheaths. I'll be honest with you. Some of right. them were cool. Uh, some were very European, finely made, fine leather, in, you know, yep. intricately stitched. Thin. But the V42 had a purpose-built dagger, which I thought was cool, especially with the Canadian forces. Now, these guys were wearing long coats. You know, think of like the M65 right. style. It was a long parka. They're in cold weather. And so what they did is they made the belt hanger for this dagger ridiculously long. And it hung out from under their parka so they could access. It was like a drop-down oh. holster. Uh, yeah, you know, no, I, I just, I just found it. I mean, holy crap! Look at that. The, 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 uh, the belt loop. It's ridiculous. It's twice right? as long as the sheath. It is for the sheath, and that was to clear the jacket. So that's sure. why when you see these in the glass case, and they are a little bit rare, but there are some reproductions out there mm. and stuff like that. But when you see them and you, you handle them, you're like, good lord, this belt hanger is ridiculously long. Well, it's because it was developed for guys wearing cold weather parkas, sure. and they wanted to be able to access their dagger as fast as they could, right? And so it'd be hanging out on the side, right? Um, Which is attached to their belt. So I mean, right. that was the only way they did it. Yeah, right. And they also did something that I am a huge fan of uh, in any. If you're going to be training with the dagger, you're going to be fighting with the dagger. I, you know, it's just the knowledge, the manual dexterity, the ability. These are all things that are worth honing. It's not because Jim and I are Billy Badass Commandos and, you know, we're oh, we're running around stabbing everybody. No, it's because, you know, it's just cool. The history is neat and the effectiveness of certain things. So what Case did, I want to say it was Case. Uh, is that who made... I'm sorry, the guys. The V44? Yes. I thought that was... Yes, yes. Was the, the V42. The V42. V44 right. was a boy. Uh, V42 was manufactured in the United States by W.R. Case and Company. Right, so right. what Case did mm-hmm. is they added, or whoever the designer of the knife was, um, uh, let's see, primarily designed by Lieutenant Colonel Robert T. Frederick. Actually, I, I didn't know that. He added... <laughs> he hate <laughs> that? Yeah, he added a what looks like a thumbprint where, on the Ricasso mm-hmm. of the knife. Now, if you've ever stabbed anything with a dagger, if you've ever tried to put it through a tire, I mean, if you've had to use one in combat, if you've just tried to stab through a few layers of corrugated cardboard with a dagger, you'll notice that if people jam their thumb behind the guard, it, it typically will jab jam their thumb oh, you know, yeah. as they thrust, yeah. right? So what he did is he put a thumbprint, a little groove, a pocket with grooves yep. in it for you to put your thumb on the Ricasso, right. and that gives you such a strong grip oh, that yeah. when you do thrust with it, you feel no impact in your body. No, and, it becomes a, it becomes a, a better extension of your hand because when your thumb pushes down on it, it pushes the handle further into your strong fingers. Exactly, and and, and it, it's 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 excellent for that wrist up kind of a thrust, you know that that's common in most fighting styles. You bet, right? Yeah, and, I mean it was just a very clever innovation, yeah, and it's cool. almost like. You know, place thumb here, dummy. <laughs> Where thumb go? Thumb yeah, go. Okay. Exactly. The good. thing that looks like your thumb, it goes there. <laughs> uh, it also had a skull crusher pommel on it, yeah, which is it pretty crazy. I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't much care for skull crushers on like a carryable weapon, only because inevitably you'll fall down and become a rib crusher. <laughs> so, yeah, self an auto rib crusher. But this yeah. was pretty cool and a very <laughs> innovative design. So huh? there's that, and then. Furthermore, Jim, and I think what this up? is going to wrap it up for this section segment is the Applegate Fairbane fighting knife. And so <laughs> the Colonel, the Colonel, Colonel the Rex Colonel. Applegate, mm-hmm. um, he had trained under uh, William Fairbane and he loved the design of the Fairbane Sykes fighting knife. But technology had gone a little bit further. So what he had done is he, he made some improvements. And some of these improvements are cool. Like if you've ever read the books, you know, that he has, mm-hmm. they describe the knife. But some of the improvements, he put sliding and removable weights 
in the handle. Yes. Underneath the uh, <laughs> the polymer, cast polymer <laughs> handle scales, he put sliding weights in there so you could put the balance point exactly where you wanted it and to be comfortable. <coughs> it had a brass, uh-huh. they weren't lugged, but it had a brass guard with turned up wings on either yep. quillion. Yep, and, uh, and injection molded handles that yep. uh, everything went together with, with what? One like screw. One screw. One screw, yeah. Which, one which socket great. head cap That screw. was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool knife. I mean, they were, they were made by uh, Almar originally, Blackjack, uh, Gerber, and Boker, I think, still makes them now. Yep. And and I think Bill Harsey had something to do with this. He was involved at some point, which Bill's a, an amazing knife designer, too. Uh, let's see. He, oh, he did the the combat folder. So Ooh. he had a hand in the cut, which I've had a couple of those. Those are cool knives. And so it's a Applegate Fairbane signature combat folder made by Gerber back in like the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, and it, it's, it bears a striking resemblance to the uh, Applegate Fairbane fighting knife. And so, yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, so there, there it is in a nutshell, guys. That is the Fairbane Sykes Fighting Knife versions 1, 2, and 3 and how they inspired the Marine Raider Stiletto and also the V-42 for the first Special Service Force and then ultimately came to be, on a production level, the inspiration and influence for the Applegate Fairbane Fighting Knife in its entirety with its lineage. So many makers are making these now and I think that's awesome because I'm a dagger freak. <laughs> All right, everybody, stay tuned for Tech Tips. We'll catch you in a minute. Epic mail call today, Jim. Dude, what do we got? We are looking at the KME knife sharpening system, and I could not be more impressed. Tell me about it. These are all U.S. made using all U.S. components and at the fit, finish, presentation, all on point. Absolutely, man. This is fantastic. Inside this kit comes diamond honed stones, which wear super evenly, as well as kangaroo leather straps that go in the same place that the stones do so you can maintain the same angle. And then on top of that, to go on the straps is diamond emulsions to refine your edge even more. And these things are so versatile. I tell you what, their patented clamp design will hold everything from a pocket watch fob knife to a camp chopper. Unbelievable, very intuitive. Versatility is what really sets this apart. Everything from convexing rods, they're these arced rods to get that convex edge just right, recurve attachment so you don't have to fear the recurve again. There's nothing that this sharpening system cannot handle. Where can we find them, Jim? You can find them at kmesharp.com. And don't forget to tell them that we sent you. back welcome to the tech tip section of behind the blade podcast what is up what are we tech tipping today matt this one's a little different this is this isn't sharpening this isn't uh fixing plunges this is uh a little bit of the technology age and how to use it to your advantage and get the most out of it so what we're going to cover today is social media etiquette uh, it's it's it it seems kind of dumb, and I know a couple of you guys out there listening to this right now just probably went, "What? Where's the where's the cool stuff? I want to learn how to do X, Y, or Z." Well, here's the thing: this is an extremely important thing, and this is this is knife maintenance. This is knife maintenance guys who are looking to flip knives. This is custom makers. This right. applies to everybody, and it's really important to be able to follow some of these basic tips and rules that we're going to outline for you to be able to move your product in an efficient and and and. Uh, concise and courteous way courteous i mean that is the word of the day jim and i'm glad you dropped it right there because 
here's the thing is that I honestly believe that whenever there's a, a post on Facebook or in any of the forums or for sale post specifically, we're going to talk about here for a second. Um, I, I think it's lack of information. I think it's actually ignorance and people will post these things and they'll miss some very important points when it comes to their for sale post, right? I can totally agree. And I just think it's ignorance. And so, hey, we have the talking sticks and we wanted to shed a little light on this so that maybe you guys can clean up your game a little bit and man, really flip those knives. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I flip knives all the time. I love yep. it. I get a thrill out of buying them. I get a thrill out of selling them. I've been doing it for a little while and I've got it down to a science. So Jim and I are going to kind of impart <laughs> what we know works and hopefully you guys will take it to heart and you'll be able to use it in these groups that you're a member of. And you'll be like, wow, that guy is a rock star trader or salesperson. Right, you know? right, right. You don't, you don't, you don't have a quantifiable, you know, positive rating like you would on eBay or something, but you end up developing a name and reputation for yourself anyway. Exactly. And so. and you want to be seen in a good light. No, you don't want to be the guy who gets banned from the group because he's a poor trader or a poor seller, you know what I mean? Right. So, or even a poor buyer. I mean, it goes all directions. So let's see, Jim, let's just do, uh, knives in knife trading and sales groups what is important to you what is important when you're when you're scrolling through there and you're like oh where's that hot thing that i'm looking for this week what jumps out at you as a premium knife flipper what do they do so premium knife flippers take the time to make an eye-popping picture Yes. They take the time to be proactive about it. They're not just like, well, I'm going to take this knife, I'm going to throw it in this coffee table, and I'm going to take this bad picture of it that's blurry. <laughs> right, in the it, dark. <laughs> yeah, right, right, I'm scrolling through my newsfeed, I'll see that, and I'm like, oh, look, it's a bad picture of a knife. Scroll past. Right. And yeah, I didn't even see your price because it didn't even catch my eye. But um, in one of the groups that I'm looking at right now, this guy's got a fantastic Spyderco Rubicon flipper. And instantly, instantly, his lighting is good, his shadow is good. Um, the light fall off the blade was like engineered right. You can tell that this was taken with a cell phone, but at the same time, he's just got it on a flat surface with a single point of light, and they're fantastic, and it's fantastic pictures. So I it's mean, simple. It doesn't take yeah. a light studio no. to be able to capture the knife to make people want it. Yeah, no, I mean, if you and if you want to do that, you can put down the money for like a good light tent. and Which and are so cheap stuff. on Amazon now like, anyways. Like, 20 like, bucks. Yeah, exactly. Like, like 20 bucks. I'm like, or you make one out of like parchment paper and, and tape. Ours is made out of, <laughs> so, what's ours? Ours is like PVC and trash bags. And, and we put out professional photographs for the company. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's crazy. Right. Yeah. Right. No, no, it, it definitely doesn't take a lot of forethought to do that. And you don't even have to do that. You just have to be, you just, just have to understand what your picture looks like and, and try to put at least a modicum of thought into into the picture that you're taking, not just if like throwing it on something and taking a picture. Yes, if you're aware of the concept of lighting, right. and I think that's what it is, just awareness. So you have to be like, hey, there is a... Fl Remember that Seinfeld episode, The Bad Lighting Girlfriend? Yeah, you know what I mean? that's right. He had no idea what she looked like. Right, right? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh God, everywhere she stood, she was like top lit and she looked terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't want your knife to be the bad lighting girlfriend. You know what I mean? So you have to be aware of lighting. It doesn't mean you have to have professional grade stuff. Look, no. most people have cell phones that have uh, multi megapixel cameras built oh, yeah. into them that rival, you know, five years ago, the top shelf. DSLRs. Digital camera. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, so. and, and the thing is, uh, the JPEGs that your that your uh, phone takes now is indistinguishable from internet pictures that professional photographers upload. I mean, so don't think that just because you don't have a DSLR or high end camera, you can't move your knife. Right. I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody takes huge megapixel pictures or 1080p video. I mean, it's 
it's pretty common. It is. Just use just technology to, to, your, to your advantage. Know how to use it, exactly. So uh, here's the thing. When when I was in high school, I was in uh, Introduction to Technology, and we had to draw Ooh. blueprints. It was pretty cool. It's fun. Like. And they, they really beat it into our head that we needed a top, bottom, and side view at least when drawing something. Oh, right? yeah. Well, I mean, it's to, it's you, you are going in cold to a meeting to meet other engineers who do the same thing, who look at blueprints. Right. How do you illustrate in the most efficient way what something is and what it looks like from all angles so that they can get a picture from a 2d image right, right. exactly they get top, a mental picture top, so you get bottom the front, yeah. side view yeah i should say front back you know and front, top back uh, yeah, side, so, yeah. yeah so here's the thing with knives knives are pretty specific in their anatomy and so there's a very there's just a rock solid formula and i see a lot of people do it on the groups and no way are we saying that nobody knows how to do this right a lot of people do but there are a couple of people who i just think could use a little bit of information, a little bit of guidance. So we'd like to offer that as a service. Mm-hmm. So the, for free. Uh, the, uh, yeah, for free. It doesn't <laughs> even cost anything. Um, the obverse side of a knife. Let's just go into that real quick. The obverse. Yeah, go, go to some basic terminology for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the obverse side of a knife is if you are holding a knife in your right hand and the edge is facing the deck and the spine is facing up. That is the obverse side. That's typically where makers will have their maker's mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be written on the ricasso or on the blade bevel or on the flat somewhere right, on, right. on the tore, obverse tore the handle side. Somewhere. Right. Yeah. So the, the other side is the reverse side. Correct. So you have obverse and reverse. So you want to capture the knife. And we'll, for fixed and folding knives, it's all the same. There's a couple things that need to be done on folders specifically. But um, So if you're looking at the obverse side of the knife, you need to have a photograph of that. You need to have a photograph of the reverse side of the knife. And if this is a uh, folder, it's good to have it open at this point for and these closed. photos. You know, you have the you have the the Hollywood shots. You yeah, know what I mean? For sure. It's good to show a picture of the spine. So let me. I have wrote these down so I didn't skip anything. The tip of a knife, especially on daggers or things with fine points, they do have wear over time, and you want to be as informative as you possibly can with your photographs. It'd way rather people say, hey, this is better condition than I thought it would be in, mm-hmm. than have them say, geez, this thing is terrible. The photos were you know, misleading. Right. So you don't want to be misleading. So you don't need to get too artistic with them. You don't need weird angles that obscure the proportions or anything yep, like you, that. Yep, you don't need to invest money in a bunch of props to put to decorate your pictures or anything right. like that. You don't need that. But you want to have the obverse, the re- Reverse the tip, the spine. You want to show it opened and closed if it's a folder, and you want right. to show the lock up and the centering specifically on folders. Yeah, yep, because uh, some some guys, especially liner locks and frame locks, guys like early lock up. Some guys like late lock up. Some guys like it fifty percent of the blade, right? Like, like measured, like perfectly. So you should you should be able to provide all that information. Now I know what Matt's saying. Matt's Matt's saying all of these things need to be there, but you can achieve all of these things in a small amount of pictures. Yes, correct. Right? Like four photos. Like four, I mean, four be... photos. Yeah, and then and then you're good to go. I mean, um, and one more thing to add: if you if you're a slip joint, if you got a slip joint, make sure that um, make sure that the blade is centered when it closes. There you go. If, if it's not ginked to the side, and there's multiple blades. So yep. that's another thing to add. Yeah, centering. So, I, I, that is an important one, really, on any yeah. folder, because I mean, nobody wants to get a spider code that rubs against the chassis. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Because it's centered poorly centered. So. Uh, I think that is really important that you just take, you know, Jim and I are both in total accord on this, that mm-hmm. you need to take a decent photograph or a decent series, of, especially on some of these knives are thousands of dollars. Jim. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and nothing worse than seeing a $2,500 knife that has two pictures of the same side <laughs> and no information in the text. None. none. And, yeah, there, there's no specs. There's no information about where I got it. You know, any clues as to the history of the knife. It's right. just, here, knife, buy, now, do. Then they, then they <laughs> bump it. Every four hours. <laughs> yeah. and so, Why knife not so? Yeah. 
Uh, so, so, so yeah, be informative, guys. Be informative in your text. Be like, this is the knife. This is the price of the knife. This is, uh, you know, the specs on the knife. You know, and you don't have to get into weight. But if you want to get into weight, do weight. So I mean, it's just length, material, uh, you know, color options, whatever it is, and then the mm-hmm. price. And so I, I think this is super important, and I think a lot of people could benefit from, you know putting this into practice, right? Totally. The other thing going back to being transparent is highlight any flaws. If you're worried about the knife not selling because it has certain flaws, you should be more worried about them returning it and running your name, dragging your name through the mud. Right. So be upfront with the flaws. Whatever's wrong with it, chances are most people, unless they're hardcore collectors and even hardcore collectors, if Mm -hmm. if you have an old Randall, but it has some scratches on the blade, you know what? That's going to happen and be Uh, like, hey, (laughs) there are scratches on the blade. Yeah. Guess what? That knife's going to sell. It, it'll still sell. I mean, yeah, the, the, the last thing you want to do is uh, lie through omission. Yes. And that's how people see it. I mean, like, you could even you could even totally skip something by accident. And if you just neglected to mention something because you weren't looking, it comes off as, like, a personal slight to the buyer. Yes. I mean, it, it hap- that happens all the time. So be aware of that. It does. You know, so so scour the knife, um, you know, and look over it with a reasonable eye and, and, and an objective eye. It's like, if you were buying something, what kind of flaws would you see? I mean, like, are you advertising this as a branded knife or are you advertising it as a used knife? Right. I mean, so just just be truthful, be aware of, of every situation. Have 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 seller's situational awareness. <laughs> I love it. Seller's situational awareness. And trust you me, will. the knife will sell. If it is a commodity and it has a value and people, and it's desirable, regardless of its condition, I mean, there really is a butt for every seat. You like that, guys? I'm getting better at this not cussing thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, there there really is and so if even if it's scratched up even if it's dented even it has shelf wear handling wear or you used it to chop through a two by four the knife's still going to sell so go into it with the confidence knowing that the right person out there wants to buy this knife and you can be as honest as you want to be and the knife will move and everybody's happy at the end uh here here i think okay two more things one of them's really important roger up on the comments quickly so when on facebook or Mm -hmm. in the forums and somebody comments Roger up quickly. You know what I mean? Right. Be sure to check your other folder in your messages to see if you have message requests. Right. And so be improve your communications game, oh, right? Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, I mean if you've ever – if you bleh, man, I can't talk tonight. <laughs> if you've ever run a page on Facebook, you'll notice that one of the one of the metrics that that is available to see for other people and yourself is your own response time. Oh, on a business page, right. On a right. business yes. page. I mean, it'll say 100% response time or it'll say 40% response time. Right. It usually gets back to you in four days. <laughs> I mean, I mean that – Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy, yeah. That, 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 def- that genuinely reflects negatively on you and it's and it's – it's objective and cold as hell. I mean, so it's like if you like have to go to the bathroom or something, it can ruin your rating. Right. Yeah. So, so just it know. is pretty brutal. Yeah. You're like, hey, I had a green logo earlier. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> so so just uh you know just be aware of that. Um, and, uh, and, and be the guy that gets back to people because people are trying to give you money. Yep, so, exactly. You're conducting so, business. If you engage in that, you're conducting business and you should conduct yourself accordingly. Correct. Correct. It's no different than, than really any, you know, selling anything else. What is the most important part? And this is specific to knife, even gun photography, people posting things up, Jim. What is the most important thing that needs to be addressed when it comes to photographing your gear and posting it for sale? Focus. Feet. Feet. Oh, feet, feet is I'm it. Sorry. Yeah. 
No, Jim. God. Get your damn feet out of the photographs. Nobody wants to see your ingrown toes and your, oh, no. your toenails and your hairy toes and whatever grossness you have going on. Please let us stand together because nobody likes seeing feet in the photographs and it always seems to be like the grossest feet well i don't think there are any nice feet to be honest it's i'm hobbit not a foot feet. guy yeah it's it is. hobbit fungus oh feet my is basically God. what it is at this please, point please can we put an end to this yeah can we stop the feet in the gear photographs <laughs> so it's funny you should mention that um a couple of years ago, about three years ago now, it's the third year that since I did these videos, I had this in my mind that I was going to be like a YouTube knife guy. And so I had a, I had a show on my YouTube channel called Knives 101. Oh. And I did a total of, a grand total of, two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the episodes that I did was called uh, Knife Unboxing Tips. And it's funny that you mentioned feet because that was one of my points. It's a real problem, folks. <laughs> and this is like a multi-year thing. It's not just brand new. Many people have been doing this, especially like on YouTube videos, like a desktop reviewer or a tabletop reviewer of a guy. It's literally like their coffee table. And you can see where they've kicked off their, their kicks and, and, and their, their socks are in a crumpled heap on the floor and there's like a Snickers wrapper. It's terrible. Uh, it's, it's terrible. Really and and their and their toes are wiggling underneath the glass of the coffee yeah. table. <laughs> I mean, it's just like that's what I'm watching. Yes, that's what I'm looking at. I'm I haven't looked at... at the knife. I'm looking at your gross feet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that I don't care if they're they're I don't care if they're uh they're they're Aphrodite's feet at that point because it's like because it's totally yeah. jarring. Yeah, it is, and you do not have to be an MIT graduate to figure out how to not get your feet in the frame. You don't have to be Ansel Adams to be able to not put your little piggies in a knife picture. Correct. Okay, correct. We do it all the time. So uh, take a wider stance, zoom out, and crop it. Every phone has got a phone editing program in there. Yeah, yeah it's not very stuff. difficult. So. Uh, yeah, please put an end to the feet. No more feet in there. Uh, please. And you know what? Feel free to start chastising people publicly when they do it, because I'd love to see this ended. To me, it's like it's like racism. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah I just want to see it gone. Just like, whenever you see this in there, just tag us and say, Behind the Blade Podcast says your feet are showing. Yes, we'll take the hit. We'll be the heavy on this. Yep, I have yep, no problem. Yep, drive people to our website. So there you go, guys. There's your social media etiquette. So be informative, be courteous, don't be a troll, and don't talk trash because, honestly, it just makes you look like a jerk. It doesn't make anybody feel bad. It just, all of a sudden, you, you kind of look like a jerk. So don't troll, be courteous, be informative, and uh, go make some money. Flip those knives and save all the good deals for us, please. <laughs> See you guys in a bit. Everybody, we're back with your Q and A's. Love this part, man. Writes itself. This this part this part is awesome. It's probably our favorite part of the podcast, and we are more than happy to answer you guys' questions that you that you submit to us over the Facebook post that we usually do, or emails that we get through um, info at behindthebladepodcast.com. There it is. So, Matt, good sir, I believe you have an amazing question that you were really excited to get to. I, I am. And you know what? I think it's the last question on the question on this week's question box, right? Yeah. And this one comes from Mike Lewis. And as soon as I read this, I literally screamed because <laughs> it, this is, uh, I'll just get right to it. I did. We were off air. We we're like, we got to fire back up. We, we, we want to give you guys the good content from Mike Lewis. Do you ever wish that you could unsee a knife design? Not because it's horrific, but because it's amazing. You admire it so much that in the back of your mind, you attack your own ideas because you think you see too much influence while drawing something up. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely, this happens all the Dude. time. Where, and, I mean, it doesn't have to be something innovative. It's not like, oh, I wish I invented the wave on an Emerson or something like that. No, it's just a design. And when mm -hmm. you see it, 
you're like, no, I was right there. I could have come up with that. I was on that track right. and now it exists uh-huh. and it's too unique. It would, yeah. it would be a copy at this right, point. Right, right. People would be like, oh, you, you copied X, Y, and Z productions. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And boy, I, I mean, like, Mike, that question invoked such a genuine feeling and emotional response to me when I read it. And it's something that I've never vocalized to anybody ever before, but I am with you 100% on that. Absolutely. I wish I could unsee <laughs> some designs because, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It gets in your head. I know. I, I, remember, I remember coming up, coming up to dad. And and going, hey dad, I just designed this this knife. He goes, Jim, that's a blackjack trail guide. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it happened. <laughs> Seriously, no, I've 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 designed knives that have all that already exist. And oh yeah, it, well, it gets, I mean, it gets pointed out to me. This also goes yeah. into the there's nothing yeah. new under the sun. If it's oh, a functioning oh, that, knife, oh absolutely, yeah, absolutely know. too. I mean, and and we run into that from both ends. I mean, people will come up with brand new knives. And say, hey, um, this uh, and, and it, it'll be it'll be another person, right? right? It'll be another person that comes up to us and goes, hey, uh. This person's copying your knife. I'm like, what? Uh, send, send us a picture. And I'm thinking like it's like some sort of unscrupulous Pakistani Damascus. Says Bark River says on the Bark side. River yeah. copy. No, it's just a dude that put a ramp on a knife. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And we're like, no, that's fine. That doesn't look anything like one of my knives. It's, oh. it's just it's just this this particular feature shares in common. It's fine. It's not that's, a big deal. You know, it happened uh, yeah. with me and Jerry Hossum. Did it really? Yeah, we have. Oh a mo- my god, you got to tell me this. We have this goes right back to uh, this is an opposite order, Mike Lewis, than what we were discussing a minute ago. But the the point is the same. So I my buddy comes to me, this guy I work with, and he's like, "Hey, design me this big tonneau." And this is where we came up with the behemoth. I drew up about five tonneaus. One of them was recurved, and I kind of went through. He wanted this apocalyptic look and all this stuff, and so I developed this. I designed this knife, and at the point at that time, I was pretty new on Facebook, and I, I didn't know as many people because I, I didn't have the social side of the social media thing sure down. so it's sure. just people i met at shows and whatnot so i didn't know who jerry was at the time right well jerry hossam has got this really distinctive recurve tonneau and <laughs> it, and i see it in my feed and i'm like who the hell is this guy he just ripped off my design like i mean bend for bend and i'm looking at it and i'm like who is this who's this jerry hossam i'm picturing it's like a 16 year old or something like right. that and i'm i'm getting a little i'm you're getting a, pretty, a little pissy yeah. and i'm a little yeah. bit new as a knife maker at this point when it come out it's a number of years ago yeah. right uh, and but so i'm like a little sensitive about that's my design which i really don't care now but uh and then i was like Oh no, I just ripped Jerry off. <laughs> I, I, I totally, I never saw his design. Weird minds think alike. And then I was like, it, luckily it's dissimilar enough that there hasn't been any guff or anything like that. But there, we've all laughed about it. You know what I mean? But I was just like, oh my God, I got mad at him. He'd been doing it like 10 years longer than I had. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, we came up to the same conclusion. Um, what's the next question, Jim? So, so also from Mike Lewis, and I, and I can cover this very quickly. Um, he actually posted a couple questions, and I want to hit them both because they're good questions. What would you what would you consider the ideal RPMs on a buffer for polishing handle material, namely micarta? And he's and he goes on about asking about wheel diameter too. I'm like, okay, so very quickly, sixteen hundred to eighteen hundred RPMs, loose one row stitch wheel, white, blue, pink compound in that order. Make sure you start with about a two thousand grit finish, ten inch wheel. There you go. Done. Next. Yep. Next problem. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Mike, for the question. Yeah, yeah that was good. Yeah, I hope yeah. that guy's helped. Uh, Andy Teal. Andy Teal. Yes. All right. I would consider my car to the best handle material for fixed blades due to the practical reasons and sandbar stag the most beautiful. What's your opinion on this? My opinion on this is Andy, you have great taste, and I'm with you 100. percent Yeah. No. Yeah. You you got great taste. I mean, sandbar stag is gorgeous. The Absolutely. Only, the only thing that compares with sandbar stag would probably be like mammoth tusk. 
yes. mammoth molar. Yep. I mean, I mean, like a like undyed or dyed, it doesn't matter. That's just gorgeous, gorgeous but material. The texturing on the sandbar gives you some purchase. Correct. I mean, it is like yeah. a functioning knife handle. And look, guys, I hate natural materials. We've talked about this yep. before on handles, but the reality is these sandbar deer bang heads and they're not small critters they they no. smash into each other huge, with their antlers huge huge racks yeah exactly I mean, and so these things are tough yeah like, i mean they really are tough yeah. and they're beautiful so if there's a natural material boom sandbar stag all about absolutely it. absolutely andy great question all right <clears throat> moving on to uh to, to ben marovich and i think this is going to evoke a little bit of a conversation between matt and i ben marovich asks what was your best quote that didn't go as planned knife short answer all of them <laughs> how's it going ben ben's a buddy yeah. of mine back from colorado <laughs> hey, he's a major knife enthusiast awesome um, awesome yeah it's uh i don't you know there have been several where sometimes the knife just wants to be another knife you know sure. and it just yeah. it, it doesn't go off the rails to where you scrap it or that you're <laughs> polishing a turd you know mm-hmm. to speak in idioms but it's uh it just wants to be a different knife so i don't i can't cite any specific example but mm-hmm. i can tell you that in every handmade and even the mid-techs there's a little something somewhere that didn't go exactly as oh correct planned yeah. and you have yeah. to compensate for it and i think it was We'll leave it that said this years ago. I mean, like when I was still making file knives under the house uh, and I want to say it was Will. So we're going to give him credit for it anyways. Hey, Will. Um, <laughs> it was the good makers are the ones that are best at repairing their mistakes. Yeah, they don't, they don't right. actually make a perfect knife from soup to nuts every right. time the first time. It's how good you are at correcting your mistakes mm-hmm. and ending with a fine product. And I, I think that's totally true. So I think in some respects, Ben, Every knife goes a little bit off the rails. I can't think of any offhand that turned into a model. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. like, oh, there oh, was a happy accident. You know what? I can. Oh, okay. I can for, for the Bark River line. So forgive me for talking about Bark River for a second, but our Wayfarer. I don't think I know that model. No, we made it. Okay, so we had planned on coming out with the Adventurer 3 okay. about mid-2016. mid, mid so the Adventurer One is a neck knife, um, inspired by inspired by uh, um, uh, another maker's knife. Okay. And then the Adventurer Two is just a larger version of that, like a little bit more of an EDC. So instead of a neck knife, it's an EDC size knife. And gotcha. then the Adventurer Three is like a Bravo One Point Two Five size, same motif kind of a knife. Our engineer at the time, because it has a fuller in it, ground the fuller all the way through to the other side. Oh, on okay. Both sides. Right. So, so there was like a sight hole through it. Right. So we basically ground the top of the knife off. Oh. And it and and it brought it all the way to the bottom of the fuller. All the way to the bottom of the fuller, and I was tempted to actually like leave part of the fuller so it looked like a like a sandblasted kind of a groove. It would have been cool. Yeah. Dad, Dad said no. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but but it turned into an actually very sleek little full EDC. Yeah, uh, what would we make it out of? We made it a CPM one fifty four. CPM one fifty four. EDC. Awesome little caping knife, and it sold really well. That's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, so there's a happy mistake so, for so, sure. So that 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 was definitely a that didn't go as planned knife, and we actually had to like buy more steel and recut the blade and send it to somebody different. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> to, to, yeah. Grind, to to put the fullers in, but but you know, if you guys get a chance to check that out, it's called the Wayfarer. Yeah, that's, that's so, awesome. That's a perfect example of that. Oh yeah. yeah. So so if any, yeah, if any of you guys have a Wayfarer and an Adventurer three, because they're both out now, you can like literally lay the Wayfarer and on the bottom. Of the of the adventure three because it's the exact it's same, the same knife. It's the same knife, yeah. Three sixteenths of the spine gone from the fuller yeah, down. It, yeah, it's, it's so funny. That is funny. So let's see what else we got. We got uh, Jer Bear, Jer Bear, 
Where do you get the inspiration for your new knife designs? Do you look at old designs and decide how you want to improve them, or do you come up with designs on your own? I know before you said you have old notebooks full of drawings, but where does the inspiration come from? My inspiration can come from anything. I've pulled inspiration from screwdrivers. You know, just just interesting ways that they. I'm making a together. face. I'm like a frowning and nodding and like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys can't see that though. So, <laughs> so I mean, I've uh, I've I've um, just just the way certain lines kind of coalesce and come together. I mean, you can pull that you can pull that from anything. Um, I mean, and not it. it I was going to say the bird of a wing, but that's way too that's way too artistic and stupid. For right, what, right, what yeah, we're talking yeah. about. The way the sun rays bounce off my roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the light reflected and it reminded me of this thing. So, so no, I mean, but but you can pull inspiration from anything, and um, and sometimes sometimes it's 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 always for me classic knife designs. Da- Dad's got this book. And it's awesome. It's 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 just it's a uh, edged tools of the wor- of world history uh. or something like that. And it's got pictures from um, from like the Smithsonian and all sorts of art, uh, all sorts of uh, you know natural history museum and uh, and um, what's the word for the study of culture? Uh, I can't remember en- entomology. No, or, no, no. Arth- arthropology, anthropologist. Yeah. Anthropology. 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 Anthropology is bugs. Yeah, no, entomology is bugs. No, entomol etymology is words. En- Entomology is pastries. We, I, we're, we're we smart, good do. <laughs> Arthur, I think arthro, arthropology is people. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Right. <laughs> Get arthritis talking about arthropology. Yeah. So, <laughs> that so, went off well. So, yeah. anthropology. So, so it's it's a book basically about edge tools and usage of, and 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 uh, the different kind of cultures that use them and full on pictures and blueprints of all sorts of different stuff. So I will Sweet. just leaf through there yeah. and find really cool interesting designs and went and uh, and go, "You know what? I bet you I can take the top half of this blade and the bottom half of this blade and then make a proportionate handle using the loveless there you go. using using the, the visual loveless tension, visual right. tension to go with it." And I've come up with a couple of really cool designs about that that handle that I showed you earlier because I'm working on oh, yeah, uh, I'm working on a new I'm working wicked. on new, Yeah, I'm working on a new uh, line of knives right now. And it was so I gotta brag a little bit. It was the first time that I that I handed my father a knife design that yeah, you know, I said, I like this handle a lot. What do you think about it? And he didn't change anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. He changed nothing. It was it was it was pretty cool. So um I'm working on the first prototype for that right now, but but that basically came out of uh out of a, out of a knife that I found in one of those books. And it was just combining different lines and different ideas, um, in a in a creative way. There you go. So there you go. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I do mine a little different, I think. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I think there's some of that, depending on what mm-hmm. it is. But I And I'll make mine really short, because yours was super in-depth, and I think it was great, and I think it totally answered the question. Why, but, thank you, good sir. Uh, but I'm, you know, I like to talk, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to capitalize on no, that. Time. No, I'm it was sorry. perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'll, I'll start with uh, materials and purpose. And so, like, if I have a hankering to do a stack leather knife, then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so now I have my materials, and I'm like, well... What do I want the guard to look like and what do I want the pommel to look like and what do I want this knife to be used for? And so if I want to make a fighting knife, then I'll start with um, usually a certain length and a certain position to the point. You know sure. what I mean? That's yeah. something that I do. And then sure. uh, and then I'll bring it back and then and then I'll start making the lines racier. And so that's where I'll start right. playing with that a little bit more. But if I want to make like a camp knife, then I kind of, again, start with the materials. And mm-hmm. then I kind of play with the point and then I play with the edge geometry and kind of move in that direction. Sure. Now, yeah, you've got a method. 
Yeah, for sure. I do. Yeah, and I love old military knives. So you're going to see that there's a lot show of up. That yeah. influence always comes in. You, you do know some I mean? awesome stuff with that influence too, and you can see it in all of your designs. Thanks. The, the, yeah, the old I, school, the old school military influence, and you're really, really good at it. I, I love mean, it. I absolutely. Yeah. I don't know why. Probably again, being a kid of the '80s and what you would see at stores <laughs> and in the catalogs and stuff like that. <laughs> Back and to the, your childhood was just nothing it. but a show from the '80s. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's the truth. Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of Rambo, hang on. Um, Rambo himself is asking a question. Nope. Jordan Richard Wagner, another question. What is your favorite movie knife? Books and TV shows are also acceptable. Huh. Where do you see that? Oh, I see it. What go. is your favorite movie knife? Books and TV shows are also acceptable. Man, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite knife. Uh, the, um, okay, this one's easy. A lightsaber. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, good call. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> so, <laughs> um... Um, there's a, there's a, so I play a game. It's called Destiny. And anybody who's listening to I think to we all pod- play that game, Jim. <laughs> Fair enough. There's a, there's a character in it and uh, her name is, uh, her name is Petra Venge. And she has a very cool looking up swept knife, trailing point knife that, uh, that, uh, that I'd love to produce at some point. Nice. And it actually looks like I could actually do it. It You're doesn't like, look stupid. It looks actually kind of cool. Like whoever was over at the developer for the game actually did a decent job making a knife, whether they know it or not. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. And and one thing that the, that the developers of that game do is that they love cosplayers and love people reproducing their knives. So they'll actually have blueprints for the guns oh, that people go and sweet. make prop guns. That's... And people and people actually make like real guns that are from the game. And that's awesome and, though that so, they make that resource available. I know it's off top of that. No, no it's totally it's totally cool, yeah. right? So what um, like like a far reaching back of the mind goal was to actually contact them and say, Hey, give me give me your knife. Right. And I'll make it. Yeah, exactly. So, and give them credit and everything. Oh, absolutely, yeah, that'd be yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah. That'd be that'd so, be rad. So that'd probably be the, the most interesting project for me, and that's probably one of my favorite things right now. Nice. So what, what about you, good sir? <clears throat> All right, look. And I don't care what you guys think. Don't judge me. I like the tracker knife. I liked it in the hunted. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Tom Brown right now is just like. And I like just, it. Yes. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> it I, is I, cool looking. You know, yeah. Dave Beck made it. Tom Brown designed it. And it was just, you're like, oh my God. I mean, okay. It didn't have matches in the handle, but you could like, you know, the guy was under duress. He had this big fight he was getting ready for, and he had to go make one real quick. <laughs> That is awesome. And so, no, I love the tracker knife. I also like the Gerber Mark II as it was seen in Under Siege during the uh, knife fight between Tommy Lee Jones and yeah. Steve Seagal. He busted out a Gerber Mark II. Uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan, I want to say, maybe in Goldeneye, busted out a Gerber Mark I oh, off yeah. his vest. Holy I thought crap. that was yeah. awesome. Uh, but, I mean, let's be honest. There's one knife that I love so much, and it showed up in both the Crow, uh, briefly in the Crow, We'll get to the crow knife in a second, but also in Kill Bill, and that is the Sog Desert Dagger. Oh, my goodness. What a dagger, man. That is a beautiful <laughs> knife, and uh, I believe the guy's name was Tintin in the crow, and he either carried a desert dagger or he carried multiple knives. Mm-hmm. That was his shtick, right? He threw the knives, but he also had Sog Governments, and those okay. are awesome knives, too. So, I mean, you want to – trust me, I, when I'm watching – TV shows and movies and stuff like that. I am on the hunt for the nine. You know, so yeah, those are probably my favorite stuff. That's very cool. Yeah, All right. Stuff. All right. Do we got uh, we got any more questions? Um, let me skim real quick. Let's see. Market steel. I'm not. No more steel questions, guys. Please. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, we we covered this. We we covered it, and and uh, we don't mean that in like a, a debilitating way at all. It's it's, just, it's also just, so subjective. Like, what's the best it, deal? You it, know what it, I mean? Well, so. it, yeah, it all comes down to heat treat and what you're using the knife for. Yeah, I mean, and so just inform yourself about the capabilities of the steel, and bam, you'll find the steel that that's right for you. There you go. Yeah, there's so many resources online, so just get into that for what you're using, and and and, and, and also notice what we're doing. We're we're not saying this steel's the best steel. Go get this steel. We're not well, saying the that. Best steel is 154 cm because that's why I use it in all my right. knives. Yeah. Well, well, our best selling knife is, a, is always an A2. Right. Use that. That's the best one. No, it does. Nope. It's no, not at all. It's it's what you like best. Yep. That's Absolutely. It. And make and, educated decisions, guys. Uh, right, 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 right. We're, we're encouraging you to go out and find the information yourself. And if you have more specific questions, shoot them to us. We'll answer them. Yep. You got it. And, sir, I do believe that's a podcast. That is That would be a podcast. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. My name is Jim Stewart, signing off for Matt Martin. And you guys have a great night. This has been Behind the Blade Podcast, hosted by Matt Martin and Jim Stewart. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and listen to us on Stitcher. You can check out more episodes and further info on our website at BehindTheBladePodcast.com. Help us spread the word by telling your knife friends in your social circles about Behind the Blade. Have a question? Something burning and fizzling in your mind? Email us at info at BehindTheBladePodcast.com.
and diamond emulsions that go on top of the kangaroo leather so you can get a perfect strop at that perfect angle that you set on your dial indicator. This is a fantastic piece! You cannot sharpen anything better on any other system than this one! And this level of hyperbole is getting way out of hand! <laughs> oh, it, was like, it was like losing the brakes on a big rig. It just <laughs> 